And now it's time for the 2022 Knocker Awards. Your hosts. Two guys I would not want to see in a Brian Panties match, am I right? Please welcome JC and Nestlemania. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time of year again, the end of the year. It's the 2022 Knocker Awards. JC, are you pumped and jacked or what? This is my favorite show of the year. We both are pretty open about that. This show is a lot of fun. We get to look back at the highs, the lows, and everything in between in all of the wrestling world. We got a lot of fun categories as always, so I'm super excited to get into this. JC, as always, we have the wonderful Michael P. Downing lending his golden pipes for the Golden Knocker. So, Michael, please hit us with our first category of the shine. Super hot fire moment of the year. Bray Wyatt returns at Extreme Rules. Cody Rhodes returns to WWE at WrestleMania. Liv Morgan wins Money in the Bank and cashes in the same night on Ronda Rousey to become SmackDown Women's Champion. Sami Zayn sacrifices KO to the bloodline at War Games. Oh, man. I just blew my load big one on that one. But WrestleMania, this is the JC category of all JC categories. The Supot Fire moment of the year. Like you just heard, some great nominees this year from uh, Michael P. Downing. This is probably, I think, one of the better years in wrestling that I think we've had in a while in terms of moments and stuff. But some of these kind of stood out above the rest. I mean, if you guys know me, like a lot of you listeners do, you know what my winner's going to be. This one, it is, it's kind of like a no contest for me, but that doesn't mean the other moments in here weren't incredible in their own right. But spoiler alert, JC super hot fire moment of the year for 2022 was Cody Rhodes return at WrestleMania. It was a moment that you encapsulated on camera and you got to see my pure emotion, my happiness, my joy, which that's what wrestling is about. You know, I don't get those moments often, but I really felt that one. And that is an old time moment for me. So for me, this is an extremely easy one for me to give it to Cody Rhodes return. So look, there's four of them, right? There's, we, you whittled it yeah. down to four. When I look at this list, I think, okay, the Sami Zayn moment was cool for storytelling, right? But for me, it's not the bigger overarching thing. Now, next year, if they turn on Sami, boom, moment of the year. Liv Morgan was a great moment, but it wasn't something that we didn't see coming once she cashed. You know what I mean? So it's like she did it that night. I negate that one. So I whittle it down to Cody and to, you know, Bray Wyatt. And although Cody Rhodes kind of is a bigger deal, in my opinion, than Bray Wyatt at this juncture, I'm going to give my golden knocker to Bray Wyatt. And here's why. Bray Wyatt, we were anticipating. We were anticipating. We were anticipating. There were hints. It could be him. It couldn't be him. Cody Rhodes, as he said in the interview when he came back at WrestleMania, said this is the worst kept secret in wrestling. Obviously, it was a big night for him. But again, I think the upside of Bray Wyatt, for me, I've always been Detective Nestle, so I was so excited to see him come back and have that long, amazing entrance and the whole thing right back in our arms. So I'm giving my golden knocker to the return of the one and only Bray Wyatt. Yeah, you've really enjoyed all the matches he's had since he's returned too, right? Hey, hey, if the man can get paid for cutting <laughs> promos, I'd take that schedule too. I, I will say this. I will say this. We let the staff vote just because we kind of want to see how out of bounds we are. Um, every single person voted for Cody 
as the moment of the year, except for one person. We know who it was, knows who it was. Detective dipshit over here. <laughs> this one wasn't even, honestly, I would have put Bray Wyatt third on my list. I love no, Bray Wyatt. It was no an amazing way. moment, but yeah, I would have put Liv above it because it looks fucking would. amazing. It was a great moment. It's Cody is up like in the sky. No. Liv is kind of like, I can jump and touch it. Bray Wyatt, I don't have to jump at all. And the Sammy Blood, I think, like you said, it was cool, but like, it's not even, this one, that was the ultimate, like, I'm looking at the category and be like, we had to put a fourth one in here. So, <laughs> Uh, you know, that's how it is. But you know what? My knocker is way bigger than yours. It's way better than yours. Cody Rhodes return. Super fire Moment of the year. Michael P. Downing. Hit me with the next one. Best story. CM Punk and MJF. Sami Zayn and the Bloodline. Seth Rollins Rhodes to WrestleMania. Wardlow breaking away from MJF. Best story. This category is also another one of my favorites because if you guys listen to this podcast, you know myself as well as Nestle. A big reason why we watch wrestling is for the stories. And I almost myself prefer a great story as opposed to like a great one-off match or whatever because I think a story really changes a match. So if we hear these nominees, you just heard uh, Mr. Downing read so eloquently is that we've had some really good ones this year. And this list was kind of hard to narrow down. Uh Three of the four actually were happened pretty in the first half of the year. So I hope we can kind of jog your memory and bring back some cool memories uh, for you guys. But the most recent one, obviously, being Sami Zayn and the Bloodline, most forefront in our line uh, in our minds. Probably the one that I think a lot of people would pick. It might be the one I pick. I haven't completely narrowed it down yet, but I thought uh, you see two WWE in here. You see two AEW in here. So you see both companies kind of like, I thought raised the bar this year with kind of like their upper echelon storytelling, you know, maybe like the back end stuff wasn't as good, but I thought the top tier stuff Nestlemania was good this year. Uh, I tend to agree with you. I think that there is a, uh, a silver lining here. When you look at these categories, MJF's in both of the AEW ones and you know, I just, I think MJF deserves, even if he doesn't win, he deserves mention here because I think he gravitates towards the best stories in AEW. Absolutely. And I think that no one else can debate that. I mean, he's just better at storytelling than everybody else. Um, in terms of the best story for me, I look at it like this. Seth Rollins roads to WrestleMania. I like it, right? Like, I love that idea. To me, this is fourth on the list for me Ooh. because it felt like he was forgotten and he had the whole thing. All he had to do was ask. And then he sat there and he had the great match and they had this whole thing. And, and again, it was a great match, a great moment. But again, you gave your moment of the year to this. So I would say negate it to fourth. For me, I would then probably put Wardlow breaking away from MJF. As great as it was, I felt like it could have been bigger and better. And it was kind of hot shotted in a certain point for me, if I remember correctly. It just didn't come the way that I wanted because I think it was like that whole did MJF leave? Was he on a jet? You know, that whole thing. Like, I felt like that kind of overshadowed the idea of Wardlow's big moment, in my opinion. That is fair. So I will then kind of bend the knee here. It's either CM Punk and MJF or it's the Bloodline and Sami Zayn. So I have to jog my own memory in my mind because the Bloodline is so forefront, as you said. MJF versus, uh, you know, CM Punk was a lot of fun. It was because I think even we talked about it when they say, you know, that, that moment of like, is Max the baby face? Or, you know, like, do we know what's going on here? And that was very intriguing stuff. However, I am going to give my golden knocker to Sami Zayn and the Bloodline based only, solely on longevity. And that's why I'm giving them my golden knocker because you cannot debate that Sami Zayn has been a shot in the arm for the good old Bloodline. I mean, you know, Sequoia has too, but, uh, you know, that's beside the point. I say 
you can't touch the bloodline and you certainly cannot touch Sami Zayn for all he's done this year in 2022. So he's getting my golden knocker as well as the bloodline because we, the ones. Nestlemania, they're not the ones in this category. They might also be the twos because they're getting two golden knockers. That's my pick as well. You know, I kind of tried to build it up there at the beginning, but this was another one that was pretty easy for me to pick. Um, Even though it is the most recent and the most forefront in my mind, still, like, like you said, this is something they were building for a while. And like the payoffs we've gotten week after week with it have been so good. And the bloodline needed something. They needed an injection. And they got it. They got it in Sammy. And he like they more than just got it. Because you could tell what has happened wasn't the plan. They just ran with it. And I think that's what really makes a great story is, yeah, you have stuff all mapped out. But you have to be ready to take a detour or maybe completely change your destination based off how things are received, how things work when you start to write it. It's, it's like anyone who's ever written something. You start to write something, you have a goal. It might completely change by the end of page two, or it might take 70 pages to do it. But either way, I thought this story has been beautiful. It's still ongoing, which is kind of crazy. The fact that it's been uh, so dominant for 2022, but it also could be very dominant in 2023. Um, the other three, honestly, I think are all very close. I'd probably have the the Seth and the CM Punk MJF feuds is probably like 2A and 2B because I think they're pretty comparable. The Wardlow one, like you said, the way it kind of like ended did kind of sour it a little bit because that one really had the potential to be great and really put Wardlow where he needed to be. And Wardlow's great. He's going to be fine. But the way that ended, it was just the way the Max stuff all played out did kind of sour it a bit. But Nestlemania, we're on the same page this one because we the ones with the bloodline. Michael? What else you got for us? Rivalry of the year. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. CM Punk versus MJF. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Gunther versus Sheamus. Nestlemania. Could we be considered rivals sometimes the way we go back and forth? Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) I've never met anybody that likes me. Least. Than you. Well, you he was with rivals. With well, the rivals, there is definitely some hatred. But I think part of a rivalry is also like a mutual respect, even so if you, you don't show me? it. No, 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 that's not me? what I'm saying. I oh, hate okay. you so much that I have to respect you because you're getting so much of my energy of hate that clearly I'm feeling something for you. That's kind of what makes a good rivalry. And this year, there were tons of them in 2022. Again, it goes back to the last category with storytelling. When you tell good stories, that means you have good rivalries. And this category is stocked with them. This is honestly probably one of the tougher ones to me to, for, to pick. Because I think you can make a great case for any of the four. Uh, Gunther Sheamus, I'd probably put fourth, though, because it was probably the shortest. But it did have some high highs. And these guys might, uh, you know, get a little action later in the show. But the Cody-Seth rivalry was a historic one. The CM Punk MJF, we referenced it in the last category. Also a historic one. And Becky and Bianca had the hell of a rivalry this year, too. Which kind of turned into, like, a mutual respect by the end, which some rivalries can. So, Nestlemania, we got our work cut out for us in this one. But I think I'm leaning Cody Seth or CM Punk MJF. Can you convince me either way? Sure, I'd love to. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on the Gunther and Seamus thing because it's like you said, longevity, right? Rivalry for me is how long can you go? So again, great rivalry where it was, but I think we need more, right? I am gonna go off the board here for one second and make a comment, which is I think CM Punk slash MJF shouldn't be even a rivalry because Ooh. here's my thought process on the entire thing. This would be rivalry of the year had CM Punk not CM Punk himself. Okay. Like, because the, the, here's the thing. CM Punk 
losing to Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Friedman for the championship would have mm, chef kiss this rivalry of the year. No, no way. But the fact that he fucked it up, threw all the plans out the goddamn window with the bath and the baby water, fucked Max over essentially. He had to wait three months to see what was going to happen. And then, of course, we're back to, you know, Moxley pulling fucking rank, and it's fine. So for me, I look at that segment and I say, fuck you, CM Punk, you ruined a great rivalry. That's what I look at. So I wanted to get off that real quickly. So to me, it, it boils it down to Becky Lynch, Belair, and, of course, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. I am not a huge fan of the whole Becky Lynch and Belair rivalry. So my vote is going to Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins because I'm looking at it like this. When you say rivalry, I am going to visually remember that busted peck in mm. Hell in a Cell and that effort. I'm mm. going to remember his first match that was amazing return. I'm going to remember him outsmarting him at Money in the Bank or whatever it was, Extreme Rules, you know, because it was, again, storytelling. I'm going to forget Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair in certain parts. Like, there are highlights and checkpoints across the board, but for me, I'm thinking about 10 years down the line, I'm going to say Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes is a rivalry that I will remember probably the rest of my life, and that's why they get my golden knocker. Yeah, no, they're going to get mine as well, um, but for kind of different reasons. Obviously, like the, the positives of Cody and Seth, but you kind of did. You dismiss, and I, I think it's fair that you're dismissing CM Punk and MJF, but I'll just say this. It was already that good, even without the amazing payoff that we were stolen from, is why I think it's still two for me. Like, that's why, like, like you said, if we got what we should have got without little bitch boy going on his little rant, like, we would have got the rivalry of the year. It would have beat this amazing Cody Seth rivalry, which you just spelled out for us, which was a historic rivalry. So, for me, the fact that it was still that good, like, that is two for me. Becky Belair, I think, is a fair three. But, yeah, number one, that's what we're here for. We're here to give out awards in WrestleMania, not talk about the runners-up. And it was Cody Seth, because like you said, that torn pack is a visual I'll never forget. We already, I already gave my moment of the year to Cody. Cody's return, that'll be a moment i never forget. And that was, it was special. They found a way to, Cody literally came back and pretty much only feuded and uh, wrestled with Seth for the That's few it. months he was. Before he was yeah. And it was still the best thing on TV every single week. To me, that is because of the story and the rivalry that these two put together was historic. So they get my knocker as well for 2022 rivalry of the year. Michael P. Downing. Male superstar of the year. Bobby Lashley. John Moxley. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. So now we're getting into our individual awards, WrestleMania. We gave out the team awards already, but now it's time for the individual highlights of the year in the positive because, you know, the Shine has the most uh, nominees, as it should, because we're wrestling fans. We love wrestling. We want to, you know, really salute the greatness of wrestling. So we're going to start with the males here. And you heard the four nominees uh, there, and it's pretty good list this year. Um, I'm going to run through them quickly here. Lashley was a guy that we were all worried about post-hurt business. If he could ever get back to the level of being that top dominant guy, I think he did in 2022. Is he going to get my male superstar of the year knocker? Absolutely not. He's clearly four and he's well behind the others. But I think this kind of shows that Bobby Lashley, like he didn't like peak at that point. He's still really good and he's going to be here as long as he wants to be. The other three, I think it's much closer. We kind of, you kind of like hinted at it in the last category that Moxley kind of like, 
you know, this guy was ready to go on vacation, all this and that, if you believe everything you read. But he stepped up for the company. He came in. He won the championship a billion times. But he was the guy every week. He was working. He was working on matches. He was taking a beating. He was showing up for the company and representing the company. So by far, he had to be the top AEW guy for 2022. So he deserves to be in here. But for me, it was a two-horse race. It is two former members of the Shield. It is Roman Reigns, the most dominant champ, one of the most dominant champions in our history, if not the most dominant. You can decide that at another day. Or Seth Rollins, who he got a championship late in 2022, but even if he never got that U.S. title run, the year that he put together to starting off with the Cody stuff, kind of being like the B guy in that feud because it was all about Cody, but like being so important that he elevated himself in that feud as well. And then taking that momentum when Cody got the tragic injury and carrying it for the entire year without a title and be a dominant force and an entertaining force in WWE. Man, this is a tough one, WrestleMania. This is a really, really tough one to pick. I look at it this way. I I tend to agree with you that uh, Bobby Lashley had a great year. And I think that that's, people need to remember, Bobby Lashley has had some of the best matches, in my opinion, of 2022. Mm. I had a lot of amazing moments, a lot of great pull-apart, stuff like that. But we're looking at the superstar. We're looking at the fucking one, right? We're looking at one. Now, there are three members of the Shield that, again, all three of them had banger after banger after bangers. Uh, you know, obviously the joke can be made that Moxley couldn't, you know, wait five minutes to, you know, gig himself and bleed everywhere. That's beside the point. I don't make that doesn't really make you a superstar of the year, but that's beside the point. But I look at it this way. Moxley was a renaissance man this year. I felt like we got really some grungy stuff out of Mox, and I really appreciated what was going on here. He had some great matches with Daniel Bryan. He had some stuff going on with the BCC. He had the whole, like, just everything from top to bottom. He was just great. And he, again, like you said, plug and play. He did have some random head scratchers throughout the oh. year that made he me kind of go, gets to book his own opponent. No, so I know, but it was just it. like, how does this guy get a fucking championship eliminator, Matt? Whatever. I, it is what it is. So to me, I feel like it negates it sometimes on how much of a role he goes through. Like if he had, if he had just fucking been the champ without these fucking start and stops, he would have been my superstar of the year. I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. Because really? Even over the other two guys? Because here's, here's, here's he did, why. He, I think he's but, still third. Right. So here's here's why I would say this. Wow. When you think of superstar of the year, we're going to have different de definitions of it, and that's okay. But again, he's not getting my knocker. But I think Moxley, if he wasn't so yuck, 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 blood, 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 fucking random people, I would have voted for him. But I didn't because he he's Moxley sometimes. Like he does these weird Moxley things. But he is the superstar of AEW. There's no denying that. He is a wonderful superstar. But again, it is a two-horse race. When I look at Seth Rollins and I look at Roman Reigns, JC, I think of this. I say, there was one guy that was there all the time. There was one guy that wasn't there all the time. Mm -hmm. But when Roman Reigns was there, mm -hmm. he was a superstar. The Every superstar. single time. Not a, the. The superstar. Yes. And even you know, even Rollins said in his interview with your boy, Hawani, I feel like a macho man to his Hulk Hogan. I'm not the guy. So if a self, if I, I want to give Seth Rollins this knocker so, so badly. I really do because I think this was his year, his banner year. But when we're talking about who's on the top, who's on the poster, who's the guy that moves the needle the most, pun intended, I have to give the superstar of the year to the one and only, the tribal cuck, the head of the table, right? Roman Reigns. He is my superstar. He is the one. 
he carries not just the weight of two championships. He carries six people with him and elevates all of them and everybody that interacts with them. Seth Rollins did elevate a lot of people this year. He did. But I don't think he has the pressure that Roman Reigns does. So he, Roman Reigns, the one, gets my superstar, male superstar of the year. You put that eloquently, honestly, because when I got to this category, I wanted to put the check mark next to Seth Rollins so bad for all the reasons you gave. He is deserving. But I was like, man, I don't care if Roman shows up once a month because when he does, he is the thing. He is the thing in wrestling. When he was there, he was the thing. He came back. I like name me a bad Roman match from this year. We had to like always, we had like 15 matches of the year. We had to narrow down every single Roman match was pretty much on that list. I don't remember if any of them actually made the top four, because I think this happened last year too. They kind of all cancel each other out because when you're trying to like put a list of categories, you want to have a little variety. So when you have one guy who has a very consistent stud, stud, stud match, sometimes they all kind of just get blended together. So, but I think it says something where it was like, you can't look back at any moment from this year and be like, wow, that was a bad moment from Roman. It wasn't. It was the moment. And as great as Seth was, like no matter how good of a year he could have had, he couldn't do what Roman did. This was Roman's year in 2022. Seth, better luck next year, buddy. But Roman's getting a pair of knockers because uh, much like earlier, they're not just the ones. They're also the twos. So you know what? Michael P. Downing, give me some female superstars. Female superstar of the year. Bianca Belair. Jade Cargill, Liv Morgan, Mandy Rose. Nestlemania, always in the shine. You know, that's why we have a category highlighting not just the four men. We're going to get to the tag teams after this, but the four best women in wrestling, in our opinion, in 2022. And the list this year is very strong because it's kind of highlighted by some dominant champions. You know, Mandy, historic reign in NXT. Bianca, just an incredible uh, reign on the main roster. Jade Cargill, an undefeated reign in AEW with their TBS title. And then Liv Morgan, kind of the one that doesn't fit the mold of those two, but someone that kind of like stepped up in a year where you notice there's not a Charlotte on this list because she missed a lot of time. There's not a Sasha on this list, because she missed a lot of time. There's not a Becky on this list, because she missed a lot of time as well, where we we're kind of looking, especially in WWE, who was going to step up and kind of take their game to the next level. Liv Morgan cashed in literally on some moments, became, she was already a fan favorite, but kind of elevated herself where she proved like she can hang with the best. So she definitely deserved to be the fourth person in this category. I say the fourth person because sadly, I'm going to put her fourth on this list because the other three I thought with their range and their dominance like had to be above it but i'm glad Liv snuck in here and she had an opportunity in 2022 to show that she belonged because we followed her her career since the beginning it's been awesome uh for me though this is a two horse race like jade's amazing you know i love jade cargill she's a stud in AEW. absolutely love everything she does she has fused with bow wow she never loses every time she's on tv she makes an impression because she's great on the promo the end range stuff Still needs a little bit more, you know, seasoning, but we'll get there. But she definitely is a deserving person to be on this list. But for me, it's Bianca and Mandy. You know, I thought these two had such incredible reigns. Obviously, Mandy's uh, ended a couple weeks ago, uh, shockingly to everyone. And she's actually, uh, you know, all that, you know, as we're not going to talk about it here. But there's a lot that has happened uh, since that reign ended. But Bianca has been a consistent part of the main roster. She's kind of been the face of Raw when they haven't really had a male champion. She's stepped up and she's elevated her game, whether it was to being on college game day or walking runways or doing all these things. Like she became that next level superstar in 2022. So Nestlemania, I'm curious who you got for your female superstar of 2022. 
it's it's tough. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get a lot of hate on this because I uh I don't think Liv Morgan Morgan should be on this list. I really don't. I don't Who know. Who would what you put instead? Who would you put instead? I I I don't think that's hard. Because you know I mean, number five is Ronda Rousey. You want Ronda really? Rousey on this list? Ronda Rousey yeah, is on this list. No, I said okay, she no. would be number five. Number five. Who would you put on this list? I think I think it wasn't a banner year for anybody, to be honest. I mean, it, uh, the three women really are the other are those okay. are the races to me. So who's your number four? It's Liv Morgan. That's why she's on the list. We do four nominees, boss. I'm just saying. Just I'm just saying hater. what I see just, here. No, you're just a hater. You're just a hater. I'm not a hater. Opportunities I, to hate. She, you're looking she, for opportunities to hate. She is what she is. Stud. Period. Stud. She's a stud. Yeah, sure. I'll give her stud. But she's not superstar of the year. No way. No, no, that's no, no way. She was fourth. I thought she no. was fourth. Okay, that's fine. So we break it down here for Bel Air, Jade, and Mandy Rose. Now, we know that you have a bias, clearly. Do I? Bianca's one of my favorite wrestlers, too. As is so, Jade. All so, four of these women are four of my favorites. So I look at it this way. Bianca Belair is a superstar, as you said. Superstar. Jade, superstar. Mandy Rose had a historical year with that running knee. But that's running knee in wrestling. Well, yes. If you ask Omega, he'll say the same thing. However... I look at it this way, and you're gonna you're gonna be mad at me for this, and we might get into a heated debate later I'm on. I'm always and, mad at you. You're a moron. I thank you. And so I thought to myself, and fuck you, by the way. I thought to myself, hey, um, she's on NXT. Not many people are watching NS NXT. Excuse me. So it's hard for me to think that on a worldwide audience, everybody's really enjoying the superstar that is Mandy Rose. So then I will now say it's either Bel Air or Jade. That's where I whittle it down in my mind. I am going to go for the upset here. I am picking Jade Cargill as my superstar of the year. Yep. So here's the thing with your logic, Nestlemania. If you're going by the logic about how many people are watching it, AEW should get no awards from you because their ratings don't even come close to Raw or SmackDown. Never mind. I love Jade. She's a star. She's mostly on fucking Rampage, which does worse ratings than NXT. Mandy's a star, too. She's a star. Mandy's a star. She's a star. They're all stars. That's why they're on the list. God, you you know, you could have, there's a lot of good arguments to make here. But your argument of none being of like, them were coming out of my mouth, right? Yeah, exactly. That was a, that go. was a piss poor approach to it. So, I think it's a great approach. Again, it's my it's my prerogative, my show. I'll do what I want. I know, and it's and it's also I'm on That's the why show you too. Get your I need to tell you, you're a fucking moron. Um, well, I will How say this: How am I a moron if she's in the category? TJ's gonna be mad at me because like, how I, am I in? How am I a moron? You put her in no, the no, category. No, 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 Therefore, no, no, she no. is available for my vote. If she your reasoning is why here, you're a moron. It's no, your I'm saying then she reasoning. deserves your to be one if she's in the trash. category. Trash. You're trash. Your reasoning is trash. You're a trash. God, there's dust. Pick your right fucking female. Uh, so this one was a tie with the staff. I voted for Bianca, but I'm giving my award to Mandy Rose because fuck you, Nestlemania. Uh, both women are deserving. I wish I could split it, the knocker in two, and give it to Bianca and Mandy, but I'm just going to give the whole thing to Mandy because she'll forever be in the shine, always in the shine, and your argument sucked. So that's what I'm going to do. Michael, give me some tag teams, player. Tag team of the year. The acclaimed. FTR. RK Bro. The Usos. Nestlemania, we don't always get along, but, you know, you'll see there's two of us. 
There's two of us. Yeah, I know. You just, you just <laughs> had the last category and it kind of whatever. Do but we ever get along? We're still a tag team, baby. We're the Jobberknocker tag team. So it is what it is. So this tag team of the year award, you know, we're a tag team. We might not win it, but we're a tag team. We exist. Hold on. Can I, can, before we get into the category, yeah. can I ask you, like, okay, in the acclaimed, who are we? Am I Bowens or are you Max Caster or vice versa? I would say I'm probably Max Caster because I'm a loudmouth and you're definitely be the better wrestler, which I think Thank Bowens you. is. Okay, but in but um, in FTR, who would I be? Ooh, that's a tough one because I really I I, I it's tough because they're both they're both very similar. Yeah. Um, but man, that is a tough one. I think I think I would be Dax only because yeah. he is such a smash mouth kind of a-hole. That's me. Yeah, I just I think the way that he like Axel Cash, I think is just. I think Cash is too laid back for both of yeah. us. I think we're both. I think we're both Dax, honestly, <laughs> because Cash is just too cool and laid back, and we're both too kind of over the top, kind of like Dax and I. I trolly. still think we're both kind of trolly, and Dax is kind of trolly. I still think that we're both Jay Uso, but that's actually no. I'd be Jay Uso, and you'd probably be Jimmy because that's just I, how it I, is. I, Everybody I loves you, Jimmy. You'd have handshakes, no, everybody. No, no, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing why I can tell you why I'm not Jimmy. Because Jimmy was in a hotel room with Mandy Rose and just a towel that did nothing about it. <laughs> I would have done something about it, my friends. So, by the way, WWE put that on TV. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're we're in tag team of the year in WrestleMania. The acclaimed FTR, RK Bro, and the Usos. Obviously, this was a great year for tag team wrestling, whether you like to admit it or not. TJ brought his list uh, a couple weeks ago, and I love that. So good job on TJ. Fuck you, Nestle. Also, shout out TJ for uh, helping us with the knockers here because he does a great job every year of helping us get the list of the nominees together because it can be uh, quite the load. But for me, when I look at this WrestleMania, everybody loves the acclaimed, especially me. I fucking love FTR. So does everyone else. The Usos are fucking dominant studly amazing and rk bro had such an incredible run that sadly was cut short so they're definitely number four but the highs of rk bro were some of the highest highs in wrestling of the last couple years so i'm glad that they still survived the cut so to speak here but WrestleMania for me this is a three horse race and i honestly i could not blame anyone for picking any of the other three teams i look at this like I, i i tend to agree rk bro is my number four pick there are three that you could tell me that are wonderful. Um, you know, you look at the, the acclaimed, the homegrown talent starting from dark all the way to becoming, you know, that whole thing. And they be, you know, they were on TV. You looked forward to Max Caster every single week. Then the scissoring thing took off with Bowens and then daddy ass. It just kept piling up and piling up like a big tsunami coming through. And I think in August, we finally realized, okay, these guys have arrived and it's, you know, no pun intended. They have been become a big deal. The first half of their year, however, it felt like they were, you know, kind of not where they needed to be. So for me, they were around, but they weren't on top. They weren't the tag team, right? So I I look at that aspect as like, they are my third. I, if they had a a better first half of the year, I would give them my tag. Right now, hottest tag team on the planet. No doubt about it. But right now I have to think about the whole year. I'm going to put them at three. And I want them to, to be my number one, but they're my number three. So it is a two horse race now with, the Usos and your boys FTR. Now we saw that the tag team of the year was voted on in the magazine, obviously pro wrestling illustrated, and they got the top two. Correct. Their year is a little different than our year. So, right. Of course, of course, of course. Yeah. But I look at it this way. And this is the only thing that is going to be my, my, the only way I could tip in both, because to me, they're one A and one B. There's no wrong answer here, but the Usos have been a dominant tag team forever. Right, and so have FTR for the most part. But 
the in my forefront of my mind, the Usos are on my television every single yeah, you're week. You're WWE boss. Think, okay, I have it too. No, 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 Here's 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 the it. kicker. Here's the kicker. Shut up and let me talk. Here's the kicker. No. Here's the kicker. If FTR is the tag team of the year, they did not hold the tag team titles in AEW. You didn't have enough arms. arms. They didn't have enough arms. Doesn't matter. They didn't hold their championship, their home promotions championship. Therefore, they cannot be null and void. They are not tag team of the year. That means the Usos, thank you very much. Get the golden knocker from Nestlemania. Don't try to fucking tell me differently. Oh, don't. Nestlemania. Don't See, fucking try to I, tell So me. here's the thing. I got the new Japan. I got Ring of Honor. Go fuck off. Who cares? Relax. Relax. First off. Triple A, who cares? I, I'm just going to say that you just contradicted yourself again. Because how could you give the award to Jade when she never held her company's top prize, but you gave her to She is a ah, superstar. Ah, it's different. Ah, We're not saying ah, who's the women's ah, champion of the year. That's a different category. Ah, You're the champion. Is she in the champion? Oh, wait. Quiet. She's one Quiet. of the best champions, cutting too. Cutting you off. Cutting you off. I, much like you, I really want to give my golden knocker to these things right here. I want to fucking scissor daddy ass all night long, baby, with the acclaimed, but... You're right. It is a year-long award. That's why they're called year-end awards. Because the acclaimed are the hottest thing right now in wrestling. They're up there. It's pretty damn close. They're, if they're not number one, they're top three. But unfortunately, the scissors got to go. Had to make sure they laid it on my bed. So I didn't teddy bear. Them later. What did you do that for? I know. I just killed. I killed the teddy bear. But it is a two. It is a two-horse race or a double-horse race, a four-horse race. If since they're tag teams. A horseman, if you will. FTR and Usos. And uh, man, it is tough because. These are, I think, the two best tag teams in the world. I think they've had both had incredibly consistent and incredible years, whether in the rain, outside of the rain, whatever they're asked to do, any opportunity given, I think they exceed expectations. But, I mean, man, this when I look back at 2022, this was the year of the fucking bloodline, man. We the ones, it's the Usos. That's who I'm giving it to. It's close. And like I said, any of those top three, I'd be fine with. But for me... The Golden Knockers also going for the Usos. My logic is a lot better than yours, but we both got it the same result. So it's all good. It's, it, it's like a math equation. doesn't matter how you show your work as long as you get the right answer. Who cares? Yeah, but that's only for the individual. The person with the better work, long-term, will have much better math statistics. Go math yourself. statistics. Michael, As a statistic Michael. guy, that's it. Championship me, Daddy Mike. Best champion. Jade Cargill, TBS. Mandy Rose. NXT Women's, Roman Reigns, Universal, and WWE, the Usos, undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions. You hear that, WrestleMania? Well, you don't actually hear it because we don't want to get taken down off YouTube. But I hear Heart of a Champion by Nelly. Ain't no way they can stop. Absolutely great song. There it is, right there, baby. It is a great theme. And you know what? It's very fitting because it sounds like a champion. A champion son. And that's the category we're in. You just heard the nominees from Michael. This is, I think, because every year, you know, we always have this category. There's maybe one or two that it's like, yeah. But I'm looking at these nominees, man. And I'm like, damn, we had some damn good champions this year. Not only like it's just the dominance of these champions. We had people that almost went calendar to calendar pretty much with their titles, almost exclusively. Uh, you know what? Fuck this one. This is the one that I got biased in. I'm giving it to my girl, Mandy, because... Uh, I look at the amount of times they defended the title and it isn't even close. 
in terms of Mandy and her reign. I think she finished 100 days short of Asuka, and she only defended the championship one less time than her and throughout her reign. So she was a fighting champion. She was a working championship. She was on TV. She elevated a championship and a brand that were in the mud that people wanted to turn on. She had Boehner after Boehner with like unestablished woman or woman that we don't know or women that are greener than goose shit, and she still put on a show. She elevated two women with her with a tag team. She represented that championship. She unified championships. So pretty simple for me. She's my best champion of 2022. Roman, absolute stud. Usos, absolute stud. Jade, absolute stud. Dominant fucking champions. But I thought Mandy did more for her championship and was a better champion than all of them. So there's my award. Best champion of 2022, the Golden Knocker, always in the shine. It's going to Mandy Rose, baby. And hopefully the only Golden Knocker Cheryl thing we'll see, and not on Mandy's, but it'll be all right if we do. Just saying. Anyway, on that note, uh, you made a really interesting point about best champion. You made a point about Mandy, Roman, and the Usos all kind of holding multiple championships or combining championships. So I think that makes Jade fourth, in my opinion. Ooh, okay. Okay, I think that's another level to championship to me. Like, it's a level up, right? And you look at it like this. Obviously... Mandy Rose took the UK championship and made it informed and in, in, in that whole, like kind of that run the Oost, and, and you kind of forgot about it, you know, because obviously it was, you know, it was absorbed. It was, a, <laughs> yeah, it was usually, you know, don't look Same over here. Braun. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Braun was a great champion too, but again, not, not to the level of these four. This was so, a great year of championship runs. It really was. They're really, they really are a great, you know, I think if, if Braun didn't lose to Ziggler in that little, we would have said maybe Braun breaker, but I don't think that's the case. Mandy Rose was the NXT. That was it. She was NXT. Um, Roman Reigns for me wins both championship and holds up kind of everything going on. When I think of champion, I think of someone who defends it a lot. So I think Roman Reigns is third. I really do. I think Roman Reigns is third because again, he's a cuck as you've, you know, eloquently put out on the job. Tpublic.com slash job Get yours today. Exactly. What a great segue. Ah, but I, I will whittle it down to the Usos who I, again, on my TV every single week, you know, and then. Mandy Rose on my TV every week. So for me, I look at it like, uh, you know, they're on my TV. They've done all these things. Check mark, check mark, check mark. But who am I going to remember? Who got there on their own, JC, versus who might have had a little help? The Usos technically have had help every single time. So are they the best champion? I don't think so. So there is only one. And Mandy gets a set. A huge mungus set of golden knockers because she is the best champion of the year, bar effing none. That's that's what I got to say about that. Uh, Nestlemania, I've been proud of you a few times in my life, but this might be the moment. This might be the pinnacle of my <laughs> proudness of you. And it's just like, I, I don't even know what to do. So, Michael, brand me, baby. Just brand me. Best brand, AEW Dynamite, NXT, Raw, SmackDown. Nestlemania, we're now in the last category of the 2022 Knocker Awards in the shine of the show, the biggest part of the show, the most elegant part of the show. And this one actually is about, well, I just said it, shows. There's four major shows on every week. We consider them major. Um, AEW has one on Wednesdays. 
Uh, WWE goes Monday, Tuesday, and Friday with their two main rosters being Monday and Friday, NXT on Tuesday. And, you know, this is always an interesting one because I feel like NXT and AEW always get way more love because there's a lot less expectation for them. They're not like the, the you know, supposed to be the pinnacle thing. Um, but SmackDown's really had a good run the last couple of years. And the staff really likes SmackDown again this year. But for me, I mean, this one was pretty simple because this show did get a lot of shit because it transitioned at the end of last year. But when I think back of like, when do I have the most fun watching wrestling every week? And that's for me, like a lot of the times wrestling's supposed to be an escape. Like we do it as a podcast. So sometimes it feels like a job, but we still do it because we enjoy it. It's an enjoyable right. job. You know, we do, right. we do it for free for a reason. But so like Raw and SmackDown, like sometimes it can be slog, especially Raw because it's three hours. And AEW this year, I thought was so inconsistent. Um, they really had the highs were the highest of highs. <laughs> He's dying over there. The highest of highs, the lowest of lows. I agree with I you know. on that one, JC. Riddle hit me with a little bit of his poof poof Coke. there. Uh, his, oh, I thought it was white snow you were going to talk about. That's fine. Yeah, I hit me with a little bit of his white snow. There's something. God, I don't even know. I hope. Do you want to? Do you want? Do you want? I can. I can handle the rest of this. If you need to go get some water. It's okay. No, I'm giving. I'm giving my golden knocker. I was getting to it. AEW high, high, low lows, but. The, the show that gave me the most joy all year was NXT 2.0. There's something about a developmental show where I see people kind of at the beginning of their journey, where I see them really take chances, where I see kind of like the next generation grow. That's something that's always been appealing to me. But it's also, I think, NXT, they put such an emphasis on like lower level feuds, lower level stories, because they want you to know these characters. So every single segment I see on TV feels meaningful because I'm learning something. So for me, NXT already has an upper edge. And I thought this year it was the most joy that I had watching wrestling. So my golden knocker goes to NXT. Wow. Surprising. I, I When I look at this, JC, I think about it like this. To me, Raw's number four. Number yeah. four, on, uh, just be, not just the three hours, just it felt like it was the shittiest show of the year. There were great parts. There were, there were great Raw's. But I felt like there's a lot going on here where it didn't make sense. Speaking of not making sense, number four, sorry, number four was raw. Number three will be dynamite only because the inconsistency, as you stated, but also I feel like what I don't understand from, and again, you can tell me that I'm wrong and that's fine because I've heard it every, every moment of my life. If I'm tuning in for something, I need a reason to tune in. I don't need no random tag match, no random six-person match, random singles match. What the fuck is a title eliminator when it's just not a tournament? Then there's 400 fucking tournaments in like two weeks. It just gets to a point where it just feels like they're doing the best they can, but somebody needs to teach them how to be big boys when it comes to putting on a really good show. So for me, they're third. So what down to NXT, which again, I have fun watching NXT, but SmackDown to me has been kind of filet mignon. It's prime rib. When I watch it, if I had to show somebody what a real show is. You'd show like, them Rampage. I get it. I would show them Rampage. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'd show them Ring of Honor because it doesn't exist. Oh. Uh, so that's there. So no, that's fine. Uh, show them the door. But no, besides the point, I would say this much. SmackDown to me gets my golden knocker because I think there are so many highlights from SmackDown. There have been so many great moments from SmackDown this year. Bray Wyatt's part of it. The Bloodline's part of it. The World Cup, even though the World Cup was kind of wonky, all it felt like a lot more new people showed up on SmackDown after you know the whole regime change. It just felt like more emphasis, more time went into SmackDown, and it wasn't disappointing. It was a lot more fun. I I do think that NXT almost had it in my mind. That is there surprising. were weeks. There were weeks where I missed NXT, and I only read Joe's article, or I'm not Joe's article. Excuse me, TJ or um or Dom's article. But that's hard for me. 
like it's hard it's like it's it to me smackdown was a can't miss well we talk about it every week so we have to that's fair that's fair but i will say contractually obligated contractually obligated but i try to watch as much wrestling as i possibly can so I, i would say that smackdown was cannot miss and gets my golden knocker so with that the shine is over let's cleanse the palate michael it is time to get hot it is the heat Best Heel, Christian Cage, Grayson Waller, MJF, Sammy Guevara. A lot of people in life say, JC, that I'm a true life heel. What do you think? Um, I think that you have a lot of characteristics that would put you as a heel, yeah. And I, I think that that's a very important you know, re- prerequisite when you think about what you're going to have as the best heel of 2022. We have amazing people left and right. Uh, for different reasons, obviously. If you look at this, there's a lot of AEW best heels, which again, really drove the program of AEW. So I think they deserve a, a lot of credit here with a lot of great heels. Christian Cage, just on the promo work alone with Jungle Boy's mom, whew, that was all-time stuff. Grayson Waller came out of nowhere last year, and now this year he's stepping into <sighs> his own, and he's kind of becoming this big deal, right? For some people, but he's... He's consistently a jerk. That is interesting to me. MJF, Hall of Fame heel. We understand that. Uh, But then the last one was a head scratcher for me, but I understand why. Mini Miz, Sammy Gravara. Because he married some chick that everybody boos. Uh, He clearly knows how to just get in a reaction, the please go away heat. There's different aspects to all of this. So I'm curious, JC, when you're thinking of the best heel, I want to know what JC has for category or some type of prerequisite here for voting. I absolutely love all four of these characters. These are four of my favorites. Obviously, Christian's an all-time one of my favorites. Grayson Waller, like, there was just a moment watching him when he kind of picked up on this new dick character where I'm like, this kid's the fucking future of this company. Like, this is just, like, what he is doing is next level. And I think he has done nothing but elevate himself, including being the first ever Iron Survivor winner and kind of like preparing us for a feud with Braun Breaker, which it just like, it tells me that he's arrived. MJF, there's nothing to say about MJF. Like we know what he is. I think you said it two years ago. It's like, he's going to be on this this nominee list every single year unless he gets injured. Like it's just one of those things. It's like, he's always going to be there. And then Sammy, like Sammy is a much different case than the rest of them because this guy is just so fucking hated by people for a million different reasons. And then he marries one of the hottest chicks and they're just obnoxious together. And it's just like, but here's the thing about Sammy. He's so fucking good too. And when I really like look at heels, it's like embrace it. It's the reason why I always love Corbin. It's the reason why I love Waller. It's the reason why I love MJF. It's the reason like when Christian goes all in, I love him. But Sammy's the same thing. He's like, you know what? People don't fucking like me. I'm going to embrace it and I'm just going to turn it up even more and be even more of it. And that's what I appreciate. I honestly would have him third on my list here. Christian's going to be fourth just because the body of work wasn't there this year. Like his, he had incredible moments, like his turn. And then his, anytime he talked to jungle boy, a plus level work. And so he definitely deserves to be here. But like in terms of longevity, like the other three guys consistent across the board, uh, but yeah, I put Sammy three. So it comes down to MJF, who will probably always be up for this award, versus Grayson Waller. And uh, the staff is pretty split on this too. This was a tie. But I am, uh, I'm going with my boy Grayson because I just look at him and like the work that he does is just like, maybe it's because he's the newest and I'm just used to it with MJF now that there's like a bar with MJF. And for him to like be named best heel for me, he has to go way above that bar. And even if he did, 
any bar that people had set for Grayson Waller, this guy is fucking hurdled like above, like to just the, even the little things throughout the year. Remember when he was like had Senga as his enforcer and he like faked an arm injury to get a tag title shot and all that shit. Like it's just little things he did every time he was on my TV, he found a way to be annoying. He made a talk show and he's just, he's innovative with the Instagram live where he's live on Instagram with a cam on himself as he's interviewing people. Every interaction he has, whether it's with an interviewer, whether it's with female talent that he's never going to wrestle. He's always just belittling people on uh, Twitter. It's just going after Indy's mom and all these things. It's just like Grayson gets it. He gets what this new age of wrestling is of like being a character 24 seven. And he's always that character. And so for me, that gets him best heel of 2022 because consistently across the board, there wasn't one moment in time that Grayson didn't remind me how much of a dick he was. I kind of saw that coming, to be honest with you. I really did. Uh, but I will say this much. When I look at this, Sammy Guevara is number number four for me. And I only say that because he's interesting, but he's not on my TV all the time, so I have to be reminded how much of a dick he is. He's always so, on TV. No, nah, it doesn't feel like a it. A motherfucker's always around. He doesn't well, He doesn't move the, the move it for me like everybody else does, so I will say that much. I remember when Christian's on my TV. It's like Christian doesn't have consistency, but he's like the brightest star sometimes. You know what I mean? And then, then it, charisma. But it's Come just on. like, it's not like there's a consistency of woe. So he's my number three, Christian, right? So it boils down for MJF Perennial and uh, Grayson Waller. And as you were talking, you were kind of swaying me one way. And then I heard something else swayed me the other way. And all I could think about was MJF wasn't there for three months, right? Consistency, true. right? True. Wasn't there for three months. And it kind of felt like at some point when he came back, they were cheering him. He, so he's not so much a heel. So... I am going to go out on a limb here, begrudgingly, and I'm going to give my golden knocker to a man I absolutely would love to punch in the face. So that Grayson Waller effect is in full effect here on the knocker because now we have a set of golden knockers uh -huh. for Grayson Waller. And honestly, I the one thing that scares the fuck out of me going forward is if MJF stays in AEW after 2024... I think Grayson Waller has the potential to lapse him, which because the machine, the machine that, aspect of this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's what scares the fuck out of me, because if MJF goes to WWE, fucking rocket, right? But if Grayson Waller gets there, there's no need because Grayson Waller could be the guy. He could be. And I don't like it. <laughs> But you can you can see it. You That's can, how you know he's a good heel. It's yeah. just like it's undeniable. And that was the thing with me. Like obviously, like us and our me and my boy Dom. Obviously, Dom of the uh, JK. Check him out. Also, his JPW shows with Conway. Also on our channel. Um, we were like Team Grayson, like immediately, and everyone else was so anti it. And like I got it because by God, he was annoying. But like just watching him, like I was just like, oh man, this kid. When they fully let him go and start putting him in spots, like it's just gonna be next level. And I was seeing it in the ring, like. The style that he brings to the ring is so heelish too. Like with just these over athletic, like dick moves and all these things, like everything he does pisses you off. And it's just like, man, like he has the best aspects of the Miz, but he also have like, has like Jericho aspects. He has a little bit of MJF. He has a little bit of Corbin. He literally like, you can tell he just studies the game was like taking a piece from every great heel he's ever seen. And I'm just like, dude, the, 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 the ceiling on this kid is insane. So I'm glad we're on the same page because Grayson's a fucking stud man. Get on board, everyone. Choo-choo! Michael, please hit us with another category, please. Most underutilized talent. AJ Styles. 
Hikaru Shida. Malachi Black. Miro. Some people might say, JC, that I've got a lot of talent. That's some people. Some people might say I'm underutilized or overutilized. What do you think? But really what comes down to is we watch wrestling an awful lot and we say, hey, we like that guy or girl. Why aren't they on my, why aren't they on my TV, right? Why, why aren't they being used? And I think this is one of my favorite categories every year we do this because we really want to cheer or boo certain people. We want them on our television. We want to see them succeed in some fashion. And then sometimes we just get no explanation. And I think these four are very, 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 very kind of encompassing of everything we talk about here about underutilized talent. And uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go just right in my head. To me, I forgot Sheeta existed. That's that. That's upsetting. That's she's, upsetting to me. She's the best wrestler on the AEW Women's she roster. Her and Hater. Hater and her should be on my television every single week. That hurt my feelings. Sheeta was great, right? Then you look at Malachi Black. Now, Malachi Black, one of my favorites. Love him. But again, took a sabbatical, even though if it was short or not, I don't know. And I forget. And the beginning of the House of Black really made me feel like he's underutilized, right? But then he comes back. How many stop, stop and starts with him? A lot of stop and starts. It's, it's, it's weird. It's like hot and cold. Yes or no? Up and down. Carrie, Katy Perry, whatever. And then finally, we have two people that really should be on your TV every single, every single moment of time. Miro, which we know JC loves very, 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 very much. And AJ Styles. Crash! Who also, AJ Styles, again, a guy you need to make room for on your TV. You need to give him real feuds here, not some just random podunk piece of shit stuff with the fucking, you know, the ridiculous Judgment Day at the beginning, which was kind of all over the goddamn place and hot and cold, hot and cold, not on a pay-per-view here and there. That to me is absurd, especially with his age. He's only got so many years left where he can really help people. And I think that's underutilized. But I am curious, JC, because all of these are different for different reasons. But there's one person to me one person that when I look at this list, I think to myself, they're just sitting at home. They're yep. not doing anything. And yep. that's a crime. Yep. That is an absolute crime. Billionaire Tony should wake up and smell the roses because my most underutilized talent this year is Miro. And wake up and smell the match. God damn it. He should be Tony Khan should be stretched and put in an accolade and then Talk to God about it for not using Miro. Fucking ridiculousness. I, you know, you know something. That's that's the case. That's you hit on a lot of things that I really like agree with. That's why I love this category too. Is that all four of these people are different reasons. Like AJ Styles, he might be on TV more than all these people, but it's just like, what has he done meaningful in 2022? Like the only like cool things I think of with AJ Styles are anytime he interacted with Finn Balor, that was cool. But I'm you hit on the big one for me with AJ. And why he's going to get my golden knockers most underutilized, spoiler alert, is that AJ Styles is a top tier, like face of the franchise level talent. But it's also like AJ Styles, we know he's kind of gone to a little bit part time, which is part of it. But it's like you should be maximizing his time left because he's on the back end. And we're talking about an all time Hall of Fame great right here in AJ Styles that you're underutilizing. Like he comes back. Oh, he has a match here and there. I think the thing with Grayson was this year. That honestly might have been his high point when he went to NXT and feuded with Grayson Waller for those couple weeks. That might have been AJ's high point of 2022, which that was awesome. But for a level of a high point of AJ Styles, that should be a, something, a bullet point on his resume. Not like looking back and being like, man, they did nothing with AJ this year. And so that's why he's going to get it for me. But Sheeta, 
you you hit it exactly. She needs to be on TV. She's one of the best pure wrestlers they have. She's very well liked. She's amazing. Malachi Black, great, interesting talent. WWE had the same problem. They like it's a cool like thing for a week, and then they don't know what to do with it, and it falls apart. And Miro's my number two because I mean, like you said, the guy Miro's my guy. He's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. He's sitting at home waiting for the phone call. He's cashing the checks. Good for him. But by God, it's like all four of these people need to be on TV. But for me, I'm giving it to AJ Styles because he needs to be top of the card. Like you said, he needs to be on the premium live events. He needs to be in major meaningful feuds because he is AJ fucking styles he doesn't need to be followed around by two idiots in a mitchin or whatever the hell they call her now it's mitchin. like get the fuck out of here that good picks by both of us WrestleMania in this one i agree and uh there's a lot more negativity where that comes from michael let's leap or jump to the dolphin please leapt the dolphin what could have been austin theories money in the bank cash in cm punk as aew world champion Forbidden Door. Satnam Singh, AEW debut. Lep the Dolphin. Kind of like a dog. Lep the Dolphin. That's what we're going to do here, folks. We are, this is a coin phrase from JC because I said jump to shark and now Lep the Dolphin is a real thing for the jobber knocker. What could have been in 2022? Again, they whittled it down to four. There's plenty of nonsense that have happened in 2022. But these are the four that I really got a hair across my ass. That's what I'm going to say, JC. When I look at these things, they just, they just, I just, it, it bothers me, right? So Austin Theory's money in the bank cash-in, right? That one to me is an all-timer. Yep. That is an all-time flub. And someone can say, well, we wanted to see what would happen. We wanted to see if somebody would bite, if the crowd would buy it, blah, 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 blah. Needed to get it off him because Roman Reigns isn't going to deal with this and yada, yada, yada. You can give me all that nonsense. I still say, poppycock. It's stupid. Then you look at CM Bunk as a world champion. Woo! Twice! Twice. Not once, but twice! The fucking Dingleberry jumps into the fucking crowd, breaks his goddamn foot. What a moron. Then he has to give up the championship. Loses it in a fucking interim with John Moxley just to set up like two weeks before their biggest effing pay-per-view. And then CM Punk gets it back and fucking screws the pooch in a press conference. All-timer. Gonna remember that forever. Yep. Forbidden door. Ain't remembering what? that one. Not remembering that one. For a good reason, everybody fucked that up. It felt like... You can tell me it was a, a monumental success. You can tell me that it did great numbers and yada, yada, yada. I'm not a stats guy. I'm a big picture guy, macro level. And that right there was a steaming pile of dunk. That's what it was. It just was. You can't tell me differently, folks. It could have gone so much cooler. It could have been so much better. And honestly, you just had so much negative come out of that. Adam Cole hasn't been the same since. You can see all these people who should have had matches and didn't have matches People were getting injured. That was like injure mania at that point. It was yeah. all over the goddamn place. That fucking hurt. Satnam Singh in the AEW got lights out. For me, I look at this and I go, I, this is number four. 
I don't well, care about this. This one I think is more of just a representation of that AEW goes to that device too much. I mean, they literally have a faction where every time they show up, it's the lights out. It's yeah. one of those things like in WWE, it was a Bray Wyatt thing mostly, you know, but you do it every now and then for really cool things. Like AEW used it for Sting a couple times and that was cool. But especially in the first half of 2022, it feels like every single episode had fucking lights out. And one of them, this the reason why this is on here, it was the pinnacle of them overusing it for this big fucking goon who just like, I'm sorry, but yeah. He just isn't to me, he's just not something I'm excited about. So for me, it's like, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily something I'm gonna remember for the rest it's of my four, life. It's four for me too, but I think yeah. it definitely is something that's just like, what are you doing? So you you look at these all-time things, right? And you look at it and you go, what could have been? That's really what the cut the you know, the the cusp of this really this whole thing is, is what could have happened had it gone properly. Now, we talked about if CM Punk hadn't hurt himself twice or, you know, I guess mentally and physically on both ends, then, you know, he could have had an all-time feud. That's what could have been. But we would think that was what it was supposed to be. There was a level of expectation with CM Punk for me. So I get very angry that Phil Brooks was an idiot, but for different reasons. That's that's going to be third for me. So it's either Forbidden Door or the cash-in. Now, it, it, on paper... Forbidden Door should be great too, right? You have NJP and, you know, AEW going against each other. Worlds collide, the whole thing. It's great. The Forbidden Door has been a joke for years since AEW has started. And it had a super card feel. It felt like it fell flat. What could have been? You could have had all these amazing matches. Versus Austin Theory, Money in the Bank, cash in. What could have been? Been the guy that has the momentum to just take away all that stuff from the tribal chief. Give it back to the next generation. He's an all-timer. He's clearly the next generation's guy. You can see it. But for some reason, it didn't work out. But this would have been the matchstick to the lighting of the fuse, dynamite, no pun intended, for Austin Theory. Right? But here's my thought. Austin Theory is going to get more shots. So he's my number two. My number one, what could have been, could have gotten me excited, could have gotten me off my couch and given money to Tony Khan, but didn't, was Forbidden Door because the concept itself is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. But they shanked it. They fucking put it into the woods. There is no way that this is going to be the only one they do. And let's see the second time around with less hurt people if it lives up to expectations. We will get a could have been later on next year, I assume. But that was the most disappointing for me. Uh, so I agree with the satin I'm saying. We can just toss that out. Um, but I think this is a two-horse race because you know what? I'm also going to throw out the forbidden door because even if that pay-per-view had everything go right for it, I mean, I would have been, I would have probably watched it. I wouldn't have paid for it. I was saying leading up, like I'm not paying for this fucking thing. Um, but it just like, there could have been some cool stuff for sure. But it already, I will say this, one of the matches of the year, one of my favorite matches of the year, was still on that pay-per-view with two fucking studs that we're going to talk about later in the show. So for me, what could have been, I don't know if it would have been, it would have been better than what it was, but not like leaps and bounds better. Not leaping dolphins better like the other two. Uh, for me, it's two-horse race. It's CM Punk as the AW World Champion and Theory's cashing. I mean, that Theory's cashing, we went on hard on it um, a couple times and it's just like, it was bad because whether he was going to just win the title or whether he's going to fail on Roman Reigns, either way, there was so much freaking meat on that bone and they decided to go in a completely different direction and it fell flat. But for me, that's number two, because number one, going back to something you said earlier in the show, not only by CM Puck's fucking dumbassness and antics, not only 
did it cost us an interesting CM Punk championship reign. It cost us the rivalry feud of the year, CM Punk MJF. But it also cost us a ton of CM Punk dream matches. Whether you like him or hate him, there were so many CM Punk dream matches. We never fucking got because this loser had to go up there and be an idiot and do stupid things, whether it was getting injured or running his mouth at a press conference. We got robbed of not just of rain. We got robbed of feuds, of rivalries, of stories, of moments, all because of him. And he did it to us fucking twice. So you know what, CM Punk? You're shitty. What could have been run as AEW World Champion not once but twice? You're getting my golden knocker for leaping the fucking dolphin this year, buddy. You hear that? From best in the world to worst in the world, JC picks CM Punk. Michael, it is time to get motherfuckers off my TV! Get him off my TV. Worst thing of 2022. Austin Theory's failed cash-in on the U.S. title. Ring of Honor all over AEW TV. Tony Khan, major announcements. Thunder Rosa's championship reign. There's only one way to start this, JC. Get him off my TV, get him off my TV, get him off my TV! This is the worst thing in 2022. There's a lot here that was really just podunk pieces of shit, but this has been whittled down thanks to G- TJ and JC, what I like to call the TJC, into I, four. I do want to say before we get into it, so there was a point before the failed cash-in happened that this was four AEW things. It was, because I remember TJ texting me, he's like, I'm looking at the nominees, and the get them off TV worst thing is all AEW. And it was, I believe... Uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti were number four. Oh. How much people fucking hated him. But that got the axe when we had a failed cash-in on a mid-card title. So, yeah, WrestleMania, this, uh, there's a lot of meat on this bone right here to talk about. You want to talk about meat. There are so many things that really piss me off here. But I'm trying to think of, like, what is the quintessential 2022 fuck you moment of the year? When we look at this, we have Austin, obviously, Theory, cashing in again. Big fucking fuck you to the fans. That made me really upset because I felt like it was one of the coolest devices. And I think this is a part that may have left the dolphin, no pun intended from the last category. Uh, but then you get to ring of honor all over AWTV, And even though Tony's Khan swears up and down that there is only a little bit of limited time on ring of honor TV on AEW, go fuck yourself. Tony Khan, you're a fucking liar. Tony Khan's major announcements. <laughs> clearly there was once a week at the one point this year, but at, at, at one week, it just, one of them like- was ring of honor. It just feels like this guy wants praise. No fucking way. Every single time. Tony Khan should be the worst thing in general. That might be. So here it is. And finally, Rosa, Thunder Rosa's championship reign, which again, whether she broke somebody's nose, you know, hide it in the bathroom or hid in the bathroom or whatever you want to believe. Unfortunately to me, I'm going to put Thunder Rosa at four because I didn't have high expectations for Thunder Rosa. Although big, big friend of the knocker, love Thunder Rosa in general. The reign to me, not the worst thing I've ever seen. The other it three was. Me, it was horrible. To me, to, here's the thing. To me, the other three grind my gears. They make me deal. Tony Khan's major announcements, number three for me. Because I get really? Here's the thing. Not the thing I'm going to remember the most. To me, there are two things in here, which are one and two, I will remember for the rest of my godforsaken life. Right? The cash-in. Failed cash in, which will still piss me off to this day. And AEW and Ring of Honor's relationship in general. Now, what bothers me is you learn from the lesson. Do you learn from the lesson? 
It is hard to tell with that cash-in if we've learned from the lesson. However, he did and still has at this particular juncture the United States Championship. So I guess he's won something. But my golden knocker goes to Ring of Honor all over my AEW TV because the fucking hypocrite going on promos and going on interviews saying it's not that bad. Go fuck yourself. Ring of Honor needs its own TV. It's behind a paywall that no one's going to pay for now, thank God, because it's still going to be advertised. You you look at the go-home week for these Ring of Honor pay-per-views, and it's like graphic, 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 graphic. Then there's 400 fucking matches. It's just everywhere. And here's the thing. They don't do a good enough job in AEW representing their own AEW champions. And then you parade it around a six-man title. Nobody gives a fuck about that. Then you parade around a television title. Nobody, I'm sorry, Samoa Joe, nobody gives a fuck about that. There's no television rules. The pure championship to me, great, but I don't care about it anymore. Yuta and, and, and Daniel uh, Garcia, they're great, but I don't care about it. And then Claudio, fucking just the mess that Gresham and Claudio, and then Claudio to Jericho, Jericho back to Claudio. I don't care. Too much. Too fucking much. I tap out. I fucking, and honestly, here's the detriment to it. It makes me not want to watch AEW. There it is. So you you swayed me, Nestlemania, because I honestly, I don't remember what I voted for, but what you swayed me uh, pretty well, because honestly, I was leaning between, uh, I was leaning a Thunder Rosa thing because that was just such a drop ball. But when you said that, it kind of put it in perspective to me. AEW already has always treated the woman like a second rate part of the show and like trash. So her championship reign was par for the course. But what made AEW special is like, they still, it was like the, the, the good stuff was really, really good. Having this reign of honor shit plastered all over it just really diluted everything and ruined, like you said, the show. I know people who stopped watching AW this year because of it. They just, it became miss instead of can't miss. And that was mainly because of all the reign of honor bullshit. The Tony Khan major announcements, they're fucking annoying. He's a fucking clown putting himself on TV, teasing shit. But again, he's a promoter, whatever. It's annoying, but it's not the worst thing in 2022. So I think you were right, narrowing it down to the two you had. The theory one fucking hurt me to the core, will always hurt me. I'm never going to forget it. But you swayed me with your argument because you're right. Ring of Honor all over AWTV wasn't just annoying. It ruined the fucking show that was really good. That for the first couple years of its existence was almost unanimously the best brand. Like, it was just like, it's been really good. AW has been really good. So... Yeah, that was a good argument by you. You swayed me probably for one of the first times in your life, and I'm pretty proud of you for that. But again, this is your fucking award, so I shouldn't be surprised. But yeah, and here's the other thing that you said. Now that it's behind a paywall and people have to pay for it, you think that's going to stop the promoter from putting it on his fucking show? No! Now he has even more of a reason to because he wants you to fucking pay for this bullshit. He's got to advertise it somewhere, and guess where the free advertising is for him? On fucking Wednesday and Friday nights on Dynamite and Rampage. This shit ain't going to go in anywhere. I hope he dials it back a little, but we're still going to see 8,000 titles, 8,000 jobbers, and all this fucking nonsensical bullshit. So it's the worst thing of 2022, and it might be the worst thing of 2023. It probably will continue for the rest of our lives. Anyway, we have now officially finished the heat category. You can all take a breath. I think it's time to cleanse the palate as we do on the program with some hopeful categories. Michael, can you lend those golden pipes and maybe be our only hope? Newcomer of the year. Logan Paul. Nikita Lyons. Roxanne Perez. So, Nestlemania, one of the most exciting things in wrestling is seeing new faces, whether it's 
period, or maybe in new places. Uh, and that's what this category is. And I'll, I'll be honest, this is probably the weakest crop of newcomers we've had since we've been doing the knockers. This was a really tough one, uh, as you heard from Michael there. There's only three nominees. All the categories have four, I believe, except for this one only has three because there really wasn't a lot of new blood. Like WWE brought back a ton of people they had fired, which is awesome, but they're not newcomers. AEW, as we know, they bring a lot of ex-talent, like WWE talent that are already established. So it doesn't really feel new because they're the same characters, just on different shows. So not really like that game changing. And a lot of their prospects, they're not really, they're too low level probably to crack an award like this, if you know what I mean. And that's not a slight, it's just, it is what it is. They don't have a developmental. So uh, when you're looking at this, it's like Logan Paul obviously burst on the scene. He signed that big deal. He's here now. He had the great match at WrestleMania. He had a great match with Roman at Crown Jewel. Uh, you can't have much of a better debut year for someone who's already a major star and a part-timer than Logan Paul had. And uh, he's probably going to get our awards here, but uh, Nikita Lyons, she kind of came on at the end of last year, but kind of, you know, we obviously know she's a fan favorite. I don't think she did shit. Honestly, I think this is a two-person category. Just uh, TJ said we should throw her in there, so I agreed because uh, we had to fill this thing out. But yeah, Nikita Lyons, not even on the stratosphere. Roxanne Perez, she calls herself the prodigy. She is a fucking prodigy. She's now your NXT Women's Champion. She's incredible. She's 21 years old. She's the future of women's wrestling. Uh, people saw that who watched Ring of Honor when she won that title when she was like 19 or whatever. People like Mickey James and Deanna Perrazzo praised her. And then she's coming to WWE and been a workhorse since the get-go. Um, we can all see the talent. But for me, this is an easy one, WrestleMania. It's Logan Paul because he goes at WrestleMania, has one of the best matches on the card. And then he fights for the fucking world championship later against Roman Reigns and has a banner of a match. So for me, it's an easy one. Logan Paul, newcomer of the year. I tend to agree with you. Uh, Nikita Lyons, dangerous curves ahead, but not necessarily in the match department. Uh, and of course, that whole fucking, nin if she had ninchucks, I'd be fucking into it too, but that's the whole other point. Roxanne, I don't necessarily look at new, so here's the thing. She's a newcomer to WWE, but I don't necessarily think she's a newcomer overall because I've been watching her stuff. So I tend, I, I, I agree with you. Logan Paul gets my Golden Knocker Award because he's had three fucking matches, period. And they've all been monumental matches. Like, you can tell me that everybody else in developmental will have, you know, matches they forget, but Logan Paul is a fucking spectacle. And they 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 struck gold with this kid. They really did. And I think he's going to have a high ceiling going forward if his, you know, his wheel heals properly. But again, my golden knocker goes to the the one and only, the prime, if you will, because he's got a drink name. But uh, Logan Paul gets mine. Downing, give us a little more hope, baby! Best Repackage, Butch, Dom Mysterio, Gunther, J.D. McDonough. J.C., my mom used to tell me that good things come in small packages. Now, I don't know if that was to make me feel better about myself or not, but that's beside the point. Uh, but she never said anything about repackaging. I've been told a lot of things about my package, mostly that I'm just a dick in a box. However, repackaging in WWE, NXT, or AEW is a bigger deal. So, I gotta talk to you about repackaging. Is it just... Slapping a name on it. Is that all it is? Is it giving them new gear? Is it a new outlook? Is it changing a color? Maybe your hair. It's everything, Nestlemania. It's everything. So I look at these four and I think to myself, we've got Butch. Brawling Brutes. Great trio. Fantastic. Don't really like the Butch. Obviously, was going to let, you know, set the fire. Was what it was. I like the Butch. But Butch works for him, right? It works with the what he's doing. It works for what he's doing with Seamus. Dom Mysterio repackaging, of course, from flailing, stupid-looking, idiotic Mysterio babyface to 
chicken shit heel. Unfucking believable the fact that 180 turn this poor bastard did with Judgment Day. Unbelievable. Gunther, name change, Imperium, and that was basically just name change, right? That's all it was. Yeah, Nothing really he changed. He completely changed his body. That's fair. That's fair. He had, like he had a he had a physical transformation that like was in, impressive. Okay, impressive, of course. Uh, and then, of course, J.D. McDonough, who is the Irish ace. Obviously, <sighs> HBK has a giant wooden woody for this guy. Me I too, man. I love this guy. He, he's like Rockstar Spud. I just Every time I see him, I think Rockstar Spud. But it, he, again, I love the packaging of a character. This guy has a character with the breaking of the bones, tearing of meniscus, looking at the skeleton, the whole thing. Creepy like, there's a fucking creep, weirdo. There's a creep factor to him. And again... Yeah was better than what he was because he was just kind of like this great mini Finn Balor in NXT UK, you know, because he was trained by Balor. So it's hard. All of these are different for different reasons. But when I look at this, JC, I think JD McDonough, although creep factor, not necessarily something that I'm super excited about. Wouldn't say it's the best repackage. When I look at Gunther, transformation, right? Fantastic transformation, but it was really just a name for me. I look more on the name. So I'm going to put them at four and three. So to me, it comes down to Butch and Mysterio because I think Butch, although a name, did do a lot more with the character, with him, with his clothing, with the Tasmanian devil, like where the fuck did he go kind of mentality at the beginning of it. And he really kind of committed to the character. I think he did a better job than J.D. McDonough has at this point. But again, J.D. McDonough hasn't been here all year, I don't believe. I think Butch has been here longer. Uh, and yeah. I think there was more of a shock factor because Butch was like the first person where they changed something. Butch was a Vince change. JD might have been too, but it didn't really, it happened in a different sphere, so to speak. Yeah, it feels like JD McDonough fits. Butch was more of a, like, a travesty in some way, but he turned it into such a positive. But my golden knocker, JC, goes to I a mean, man. A man now. A man now. He was a boy. Now he still he's has a, a mommy, but he he's is got a, a man. Mommy. He is a man. He gets my golden knocker. I should probably give it to Rhea Ripley because she made a man out of him. Beauty and the Beast style. And uh, it is going to Dominic Mysterio because this motherfucker went from something I didn't want on my TV. Somebody that was flailing, sinking to the bottom of the ocean Titanic style to becoming one of the best things on TV with a group that got re just reinvigorated with this kid. He's not mm -hmm. the centerpiece, but he is a very important piece of this puzzle. And going forward, to me, that is repackaging. He might be UPS. the centerpiece, honestly. He might be. Like, it feels like Finn's kind of stepped up as, like, the leader, but I feel like Dom is the thing that makes this thing go, so. Mommy, I can't see. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it just, it's just like, yeah, you, you honestly hit yeah. a lot of it on the head. For me, I loved all four of these changes because I think it made all of them better. I always loved Pete Dunne. But Butch showed me what I needed to see to knew that, know that he was a main roster superstar and had what it takes because he was willing to evolve and embrace something that wasn't always him. Because I got to shout out our boy Cap here. He was never a big fan of Pete Dunn because he didn't fucking believe it. Because, you know, he's a bit of a side shamer, much like yourself. Pete Dunn's not biggest. He's supposed to believe that he's just going to bruise everyone. No. So what they, what Butch is, is more of like a psychotic, like anger, like fury. And that makes, I think, more believable to fit his appearance. So I really do think that was a good transformation. JD McDonough, like he kind of took a lot of the things that Jordan Devlin kind of did well and enhanced it and made it more of a bigger, like more successful style. So that was good. Gunther, like you said, it was mainly the name, but I thought the way he transformed his body and changed himself 
to being a WWE main roster wrestler as opposed to like an NXT UK territorial wrestler. So those are all good, but I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is Dom Mysterio's award this year in 2022. Like this kid, like you said, was becoming borderline just being like, what the fuck, dude? And we're like, like it was one of those things. Like we knew it too. We're like, we've said it a million times. Like just turn this kid heel until he's a heel. It's just like, it's not going to be interesting. They did it. It, they did it better than I ever could have dreamed of. So Don Mysterio, you get my knocker as well. All right, we're done with the hope, JC. Michael, it's time to make a comeback, motherfucker. Comeback of the year. Bray Wyatt. Cody Rhodes. Ronda Rousey. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Don't call it a comeback. They were here for years, and then they weren't. WrestleMania. We had quite the comebacks in 2022. We also had quite the comebacks in 2021, but I think 2022 might have done it even better because it's all WWE, baby. But we had four pretty big ones, as you heard right there. I'm going to throw out Ronda Rousey right away. It was, I mean, Ronda Rousey is a big fucking deal whenever she's around, but to the wrestling fan, she's clearly number four in this category. Then we have two that were similar. Uh, well, they were similar, but different. And Bray Wyatt and Cody Rhodes, uh, two of the big ones. Cody, obviously left completely, went to the whole indie circuit, started a whole nother company, came back, has this amazing story, which is still yet to fully play out. Bray Wyatt kind of, you know, lost his job, went through some dark times personally, kind of rediscovered himself and has come back and kind of, you know, trying to recreate himself like he always does. So both those are amazing. Spoiler alert, those are my one and two. But Stone Cold Steve Austin fucking came back to WrestleMania and wrestled two fucking times at WrestleMania in awesome moments, which for a lot of people... It kind of hit them right in that nostalgia spot where just that one night or two nights, whatever the fuck it was alone, kind of makes up for an entire year in terms of a comeback. So I think any of those are great picks. But for me, it came back to Brain Cody. It's interesting when you were you I had something in my head when we started this category. Ooh. And then you kind of swayed me differently. Like I think you said these are my one and two, but I thought your common denominator was different, but it's okay. I, I agree. Ronda Rousey, get the fuck out of here. In my opinion, not a great comeback. Not, I mean, she did good, but not great. So then it gets to the three that you've talked about. I look at this. I'm going to use your own words against you and because you make fun of me. Bray Wyatt, amazing return, but hasn't really done anything. So I think he's my third, in my opinion, right? Wow, that, is, that surprises me a little bit. I'm going to tell you. I know, with your, with your, yeah, yeah. So and then I think about Cody Rhodes, the comeback story, right? And you made a great point. You said he hasn't fully committed the comeback. It's true. So I am going to give my golden knocker to a man that was gone for like 19 years. That is the quintessential comeback, right? Like, could he fucking do it? Is he going to embarrass himself? Oh, my God, I'm watching with my hands over my face. You know, like, is he is he going to hurt himself? He's got a bad neck, a bad knee or two. And then, of course, KO just fucking goes ass over tea kettle for the poor bastard, just does everything he possibly can. He main events at WrestleMania, which is unheard of in terms of not being around for that long. So for me, just based on the fact that this guy main evented WrestleMania after WrestleMania and then has been gone and then came back and had this awesome, fun time. And we cringed every time he took a bump. He did. You know, like, to me, that's a roller coaster ride. Steve Austin, stone cold, stone cold gets my comeback because there is no better comeback in the year, in my opinion, than stone cold Steve Austin. It's a damn good one. Uh, but for me, sometimes when I look back in wrestling, it just, it, for the reason why I put Cody and Bray one, one, uh, one and two for me is like, 
I'm just thinking about at that time, seeing that, like feeling that. It was like when the CM Punk the year before, like the emotion you felt and how many times I went back and watched it. I went back and rewatched Cody Rhodes, Bray Wyatt, and Steve Austin's The Returns tons of times. I rewatched the Cody one about 50,000 more times than the other two combined. Uh, but that's just because but I really have always liked Cody Rhodes. And that was, to me, again, we talked about this earlier in the show. You saw my emotion in the time. So for me, that is my winner. Um, the staff also was very split like us. Uh, Cody and Stone Cold tied. Uh, with one vote out there for Bray. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, the thing that definitely does take away for Bray is that as much as like Cody's story feels unfinished, he at least like completed that comeback by being there and started to have programs. Bray literally has just come back and just kind of been there. So we're still so early in the infancy that that is why I give it over Cody. And the Stone Cold thing was, like I said, right in the nostalgia spots. You got two nights of it because you had the Vincent Theory stuff. It just like, it was incredible. And it was honestly amazing. Any other year, it'd probably get my knocker as well. But I think just like 2022 was the year of the comebacks. Everyone had that Infinity Gauntlet, which a lot of people are now calling the Mid-Finity Gauntlet because a lot of those people that Triple H bought back have been disappointing, which... I mean, what do you expect? A lot of the people they let go were people they felt they could have let go. So you bring them back and it's just like, yeah, they were never meant to be like, oh, this guy's the face of the franchise. The two big ones were Bray and Braun. Both came back this year. Braun in on this list because, you know, I feel like Bray's just a larger than life character. That's why he makes on it. And I mean, Braun, he does Braun things. Do you even give your comeback of the year to Karrion Cross? (sighs) He's Karrion Cross, Hit Row, Meechin. I'm going to get up. Barking from Guthrie for not putting him on the list that I had nothing to do with. Dude, the, he he is the center of the Midfinity Gauntlet, but that's we're on. We're talking about comebacks here. We're not talking about fucking carrying whatever. Scarlet was a bigger comeback than him. Let's be honest. You know, emphasis I mean? on the first part uh, of that. But yeah, I'm giving mine to Cody Rhodes, but I don't fault you for picking Stone Cold. Uh, this was a year of comebacks, and uh, yeah, it was good. But uh, WrestleMania, at some point, we do have to finish the show. We have two categories left, so let's go to the big old finish, Michael. Match of the year. FTR vs. the Briscoes, ROH Supercard. Cody Rhodes vs. Seth Rollins, WWE Hell in a Cell. Orange Cassidy vs. Will Ospreys, AEW Forbidden Door. Gunther vs. Sheamus, WWE Clash at the Castle. Nestlemania, the main events of the Jabberknocker uh, podcast. You know, match of the year is usually a main event because it is wrestling and matches are where most of the action happens. But for us, our next category is actually our true main event based off our name. But that's what the big old finish is. It's uh, wrapping it up in Nestlemania. Like I just said, wrestling is all about matches. And we had some damn good ones this year. Uh, TJ and I had a long list like we always do. Uh, A little behind the scenes, what we do is we give the list to the staff and we have people pick four matches each. And then the four that get the most votes are the nominees. So if your favorite match isn't on this list, that's because there was a lot of good matches this year. And a lot of the things are razor thin. People have different tastes. But these are the four that got the most votes. So they're on the list. And uh, honestly, it's crazy because I think this happened last year too. If I had to narrow it down to four, these were the four that I narrowed it down to. So hashtag JC knows, motherfucker, as always. But yeah, this was a tough one. Man, I really loved Gunther Sheamus' Clash of the Castle. It was an incredible match. In terms of in-ring and singles in-ring matches, it might be my favorite. But this award to me isn't just about a pure wrestling in-ring match, which this was, and the crowd was an amazing part of it. But for me, I'm putting it four. But again, if you argue this is your match of the year, all the power to you. My number three, man, this is tough. I'm probably going to put my favorite tag team match of the year, and that was FTR and Briscoe's. Not the most recent one, not the dog collar. The one at Ring of Honor Supercard. 
This match was just, it was a dream match that we had never seen. It was something they were doing. These four men gave their lives. They built a story coming into it and the anticipation. It delivered more than that. So that was my number three. But that leaves it to me to two of my favorite matches, probably of all time. Cody and Seth had a bunch of banners, but that one at Hell in the Cell with the fucking peck. When Cody revealed that and all our jaws dropped, just the oozing of storytelling between these two men before, during, and after were just like the pinnacle of what WWE is all about and what a main event top story awesome thing was. And it was just a beautiful mix of pure wrestling, story, and drama. And Orange Cassidy, Will Ospreay, the one that I actually have at number two, which is not going to win, was just the epitome of like surprising but also so incredibly fun. And that's why we watch wrestling, right? It's to have fun. And these two men, not only did they tell a cool story, have some cool spots, but they delivered a banner of a match, but not good enough to beat Cody and Seth for me because that's a match in a moment, like we talked about earlier, that I'm never going to forget forever. That visual of the peck and everything that came with it, the encapsulation of their feud. Cody went up, went 3-0 on Seth, but it didn't fucking matter. Seth was bigger after that than he had ever been despite losing. So... To me, this is a great category. So many good matches. I loved all four of them, but Cody and Seth, you're getting my golden knocker. It's hard hard to argue any of these. I, I mean, I, I agree. Gunther and Sheamus was something that I was waiting for for a very long time. We got it at Clash of the Castle. I, it over-delivered in yeah. every aspect of the word. Uh, but again, it's fun. It's not over. It wasn't uh, something that I will probably remember the rest of my life, but I'll remember, hey, that was a good match. That is my number four. Uh I do agree with you that FTR Briscoe is number three. A great tag team match. Unbelievable. Best tag team match of the year, bar none. No, no debating that the wrestling tag team of the year, wrestling tag team of the year, mm. should be the FTR. Uh, but they did not get the match of the year. We are down to Orange Cassidy, JC's favorite, and Will Ospreay, JC's favorite. And also, uh, Cody Rhodes, your favorite, and Seth Rollins, your favorite. So obviously, it's it's hard Seth to pick. Seth Rollins is not my favorite, but he's uh, really so fucking good. <laughs> I, here's the thing. I had expectations of uh, Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins being as good as they were. I had no expectation whatsoever with Will Ospreay and, and, and Orange Cassidy. They're not, no, no, don't worry about it. They're not getting my golden knocker. <laughs> my golden knocker is going to, to Cody and Seth. But <laughs> that was I a tried, pretty good tease. You I had me. Tease. I was I like, it. oh my God. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I Forbidden I door. A, yeah, I know. Forbidden back door. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so there's so much that you can get, you know, you could, you could talk me into it, but I've watched that segment. And again, Here's, here's the thing. Right now, Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay will be in my mind for the foreseeable future. But that peck, the hell in a cell, the storytelling. We even didn't even talk about the polka dot, baby. Oh, yeah, Seth Rollins right. wearing the polka dots to, to fuck with him. Like, there's so many aspects to things going on and then losing it to a one-armed man. Like, And then he got better after that. Like, it just, to me... It is it is the match of the year. It is the storytelling of the year. It is absolutely top to bottom a roller coaster. There was no lull in that Lull! Lull! Only smoking mirrors. Whoa, there goes Cody Rhodes. Yep. So that's why we both gave a set of golden knockers to Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. I'm sensing a theme. And finally, the final category. Michael, let's go to the main event. What's up, Jobbers? Jobber of the Year. Danhausen. Maximum Male Models. Smart Mark Sterling. Serpentico. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's finally here, the moment we've all been waiting for, the absolute tip top of the jobber knocker, the jobber of the year. We love jobbers here. I do jobber alerts every single week on Twitter because I want people to know that jobbers are important. Uh, so we have four here. I'm gonna need you on some of these, JC, because the last one I can't pronounce to save my life, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> serpentine. Uh, so we're gonna serpentine. start Serpentine, Serpentico. Uh, so we'll go with Denhausen. How do you not love Danhausen, right? He's just there. He's very nice, very evil. Of course, maximum male models, the antithesis of not winning, they are losers, but are lovable losers, perhaps. And then, of course, smart Mark Sterling, who has been so many people's attorneys, I can't even count. And he's willing to die for all their sins in the ring. <laughs> and he just eats a fucking foot and punch and just, just keeps on going with that neck brace, jobber style. And, of course, Serpentico? So here's the thing. I didn't want to put this in, but we only had three people in this category. So people were fighting for a fourth. And apparently, like, over there in AEW World in the dark, no one can fucking see it. But there's this fucking guy who wears a mask who's, like, oh, in, like, 80, I don't know. He's lost, like, a gajillion matches in a row. But it's all been in the dark. So no one's fucking seen it. Did it actually happen? I don't know. But he's on this list. Uh, but yeah, uh, spoiler alert, he ain't my job of the year, baby, because what has he been elevating if it's in the dark? I've been crawling in the dark looking for the answer. The answer I is I do a lot of things time. in the dark. That doesn't mean I deserve an award for it. Although you do do a lot of jobs in the dark. I wish I'd make a lot more money. He'll have his OnlyFans out in 2023. Uh, moving on. Definitely we got to make left. a lot more money. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Nestlemania, we're looking at this and... This is a pretty good year because sometimes this category can be a struggle because like you get like the one-offs and you know, you get people that for a short time, but this year, I mean, Dan Housen, like the minute I saw this guy and saw what he was capable of, I'm like, this guy's perfect. He is, he is the antithesis. He is a representation of what this category is. Someone who makes everything better by his presence, but is so ridiculous and just like, he does the job. He is the true definition of a jobber in all the best ways. He's a great addition, and he is great at like like as being like a an opposite for people. We had the stuff with Hook earlier in the year. We have his he's obviously always around the best friends. He comes out and matches all the time and fucks with shit. He does it to heels, he does it to baby faces, he does it to everyone. And no matter who it is with, it's entertaining television. This guy's great, whether he's eating chips or whatever. He's great. Uh the maximum male models, near and dear to our hearts. They're fun, man. Monsoir and Marseille are fun. Maxine was a great addition. They do really cool stuff. You applied to be one and got rejected because you're not good enough. Shocking. But wow, you know, are you calling me ugly? I mean, do I have well, to Well, let, let's just put all our cards on the table. You think I'm an uggo? Uh, an uggo. Well, Tyler Breeze, if he was here, would be in this because he's the best. But but yeah, I honestly, either of those would be great. Dodge but, the question. Yeah. Smart Mark Sterling. I'm glad that he made the cut for this because when I watch AW TV and I look at it, I'm like, man. Dan Housen does a lot of good for people on this roster, but smart Mark Sterling does the most because it's something you always say about the Miz. He is willing to be the ass and make an ass out of himself. You say it about Jericho too, but this guy's next level. Like the only thing he has to gain is to make you look fucking good. Whether he's a side piece as an attorney for Jade or he's working with uh, M like MJF or whoever, or, or whether, yeah, he's, he's trying to elevate that guy, but good luck, man. I, the freaking moon couldn't elevate him, but he just, no matter what he did, he involved himself, whether it's with the acclaim, he's just, he's a jobber. In every sense of the word, he wrestled, I think, a couple times, like it's like a, you know, just like a joke. Uh -huh. But it's just like, to me, I think it's a two horse race. I'm giving it to Dan Housen or Smart Mark. I'm curious. Wow. Who you like. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So serpentine's in and out, much like uh, Serpentico. <laughs> Uh, you know, like you said, if you can't see it, does it happen? If a match happens on dark, does it happen? I don't nope. know. I, I still go back to my, I still go back to, I want to know from the man that loves stats, Tony Khan, how many elevation matches equal a dark match? How many dark matches equal a debut on AEW matches where it is? I don't know. It, the percentages are ridiculous. Just think it, about this, WrestleMania. how much we shit on Rampage. There are two other shows that are below Rampage and one of them takes place in the dark. So. Yes, and I tell you what, we don't watch it because it's not worth our time. Yeah, I only I've watch watched, it if I see people I know. I've, well, I've, yeah, that, and then if someone tells me like, "Oh, Anna J or Sky Blue are on Elevation," oh, like, no, you know, I gotta, I gotta see how my girls are doing. I can so. see why you want to do the job in the dark. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, moving on to what we were really talking about here, the main event. Uh, so Serpentico is out. Not, 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 not night to me. Uh, so I look at this. Dan Housen, very evil, not very jobbery in my opinion. Only had a couple of matches in my opinion. So I'm looking at that aspect. Dan Housen, number three for me. Comes down to the maximum male models are Smart Mark Sterling. When I first saw St Smart Mark Sterling, I thought to myself, great character, great addition for any side piece like you said. However, again, I look at this as what a jobber is for me. And to me, I'm giving my golden knocker to jobbers of the year. I think the maximum male models, we had a ceiling then they just got completely lowered. They got train wrecked by Hit Row. And now they're stuck on fucking like social media doing these amazing maximum male models things, which again, guys, I don't know if you looked at me up close. I'm a pretty man. I don't know why oh you wouldn't God. want me as part of maximum male models. Maxine, hello, darling. I think I'm better looking than Masse. Just saying. That's just me. I might actually be Ma better. Maxine I mean, I ain't looking at you, buddy. Well, I'm not saying she's supposed you to You might look be at looking at her, but she ain't looking at you. Anyway, the three of them have been phenomenal. They've been great. They've been shrieking and like, don't hurt me, not in the face kind of stuff. Very Zoolander-y. And I think that there's a lot going on there. They have been, to me, kind of like the joke in a good way a lot of the times where they've elevated other people, as well as the fact that they're trying to get over even if they're not on TV. And they're trying to get over and then elevate other people. So for me... I think they are the jobbers of the year because they just can't win. They can't fucking put up a W. They can't do anything. And honestly, they have been the most entertaining thing, I think, of the entire year when it comes to not winning. So there you go. I find that not impressive. Uh, mine, like I said, it's not a Dan Housen, a smart Mark Sterling, because I think jobbing and being a jobber and being awesome goes more than just like in the rain. And I think, honestly, uh, Dan Housen might have more matches this year than the Maximum Male Models had just because – most of their stuff. But did Dan Housen come out in tennis wear? I don't think so. Uh, he might have. That dude dresses up all the time. But for me, it's it's a tough one because Dan Housen is a quintessential, like, just joy. Bringing joy to my television and adding such a fun dynamic to random things. Smart Mark Sterling's like the antithesis to that where he just comes in and tries to ruin your fun on everything. But when he ruins my fun, he adds to it because he fucking is willing to die for it and he is willing to sacrifice himself whether it's for hook whether it's for the acclaim whether it's for some random jamoke no matter what it is smart mark sterling is willing to take that bump figuratively and literally so he is getting my 2022 jobber of the year smart mark sterling you are smart you are a mark and your argument for this award was sterling so you get my 2022 golden knocker for the jobber of the year nestlemania we did it so glad it's over. It's a lot of work for us. It's a lot of I fun work, though. I want to give a special shout-out as we wrap up the show here. I want to give a special shout-out to our boy TJ with 
JC, they did all the work here for nominees throughout the entire year. A lot of yeoman's work that was done for these guys, a lot of back and forth BCS style stuff as well. Uh, I want to thank everybody that listens to the Jobber Knocker, making Jobber Knocker 2022 a great year for us. Uh, we're definitely on video now, so that's an awesome addition to everything we do. And of course, I want to thank everybody that ever does anything for the Jobber Knocker. I'm going to forget everybody, uh, but you know who you are, especially the boys in the chat. You guys have been awesome all year long. Uh, and all of our fans, everybody that supported us, uh, we do this because we need a creative outlet, but it's a lot easier when we can interact with a lot of cool wrestling fans. So we do this for you as much as we do it for ourselves. Uh, and I think we're going to have a great 2023. JC, you have anything else before we get the fuck out of 2022? Yeah, absolutely. It's This was a fun year as always. And like I echo everything Nestle said. One other thing I want to say is that, you know, this award show has kind of uh, evolved over the years based on whether it's feedback from other people or just us trying stuff. If if you have any ideas about it ever, feel free to slide into any of our DMs and let us know whether it's maybe a different category that you think would be cool. Or it could be one of those things where like, maybe it's a cool category for this year, not next year. It's like nothing is set in stone like we do. We feel like we have a pretty good list now. It's representative of things we want to talk about, but we're always willing to add stuff or subtract stuff or hell, tweet at us and give us who you think should win some of these awards. Or if Nessa was way wrong about something and I was right and you want to tell him that, like do that. But we appreciate any sort of like feedback or interaction, whether it's publicly or privately. That's what we're here for, man. We're here to have fun together as a community and continue to grow and learn from each other. And, you know, put out the best damn product we can because we're doing this for fun. We want you guys to have fun along with us. So shout out everyone. Uh, it was another fun year. And I think 2023 is going to be even better. And on that note, folks, thank you for listening to this year's Jobber Knocker. We'll be back next year with more Jobber Knockery. Always in the shine. <laughs>